Hello, my friend, and welcome to this podcast through a trauma-informed lens, Soma, Psyche, and Soul. My name is Aneta Itchak, and I'm your host here. This podcast is for you if you're a heart-centered practitioner who works or wants to work with clients in a more trauma-informed and somatic way. You might be a coach, a yoga teacher or therapist, a healer, holistic wellness practitioner or a body worker. I welcome you here. In this podcast, we are going to explore how we can connect with and support others from a more compassionate and embodied space and in a way that includes the wholeness of our and our clients' felt experience, in a way that includes our soma, psyche, and soul. I will be sharing with you somatic practices and tools that I teach in our trauma-informed somatic teacher and coach training certifications. And I will be speaking with other practitioners who, like me, are on a mission to create safer spaces and make a real positive impact within their communities and the world. I hope you will join me in this conversation and welcome again. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another uh, conversation with a practitioner. And today I have a pleasure of speaking with Anna Carey, who is a stroke survivor, yoga and uh, yoga teacher and well-being coach who specializes in supporting uh, other uh, stroke survivors. So welcome, Anna. Thank you for having me. Uh, lovely to have you here and taking that time to talk with me. And we had a few conversations in the past, yes. and I know a little bit about your story because I had a pleasure of working with you before, but I would love you to just tell us a little bit about your story. How did you end up uh, working with specifically with stroke survivors? Mm. I, it definitely wasn't something that was planned. <laughs> um, mm. It was definitely something that came out of my own experience. Um, so when I was 35, um, which was two and a half years ago now, I had a stroke, um, which massively just threw me. It completely came out of the blue. I was fit and healthy um, and as far as I was aware, I didn't have any um anything to say that I'm at higher risk of having a stroke um and so yeah it was uh very traumatic and that morning I lost the use of my left side my speech um and it was yeah really 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 scary um and luckily my husband was home and he called 999 got an ambulance to come and I was blue lighted to the hospital and without my husband because it was COVID times unfortunately and when I was in the hospital I suppose the first thing like that happens is that they do some tests so I had a CT scan it didn't show anything um, on the CT scan it all looked fine so but I got admitted onto the stroke ward and the doctors soon came to speak to me to do like an examination and I suppose this isn't new to any other stroke survivors that are young but the thing that the doctors said to me was that we think you probably had a migraine um mm. which kind of I don't it kind of takes away the 
I felt like, oh my gosh, this is a real big thing that's happened to me. You know, it's really scary what's happened. And I think that when someone tells you that you've just, that, oh, it's just a migraine, it kind of takes away that feeling of, oh, okay, maybe I've just overreacted um, to, to kind of what's happened to me here um, because I was absolutely terrified. Um, and so I spent the rest of that day kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, a migraine, even if it, if it's just a migraine, then, you know, obviously, yes, it's been a terrifying experience, but that's something that I can kind of get over and, and deal with. And then I, I went for an MRI scan um, later that day. And when that results came back, the doctor came to see me and said that I had actually had a stroke. So that's kind of like you get the rug pulled from underneath you um, because all of a sudden, I think in the morning, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've had a stroke. Then then it says, oh no, it's probably just a migraine. So you're just like, oh, okay, fine, fair enough. Um, and then you get told you've had a stroke. So it's like a double blow. So you're just like, oh my gosh, right, I've got to deal with this again. And the fact that I was on my own in hospital. And I know that I, I didn't really take any of the information in that she told me because I literally just sat there and cried. <laughs> didn't really know what else to do because I was so worried. Um, and it's I suppose my first question was, why has this happened and then my second question is what if it happens again Mm. um and I was lucky that the use of my left side was coming back my speech was coming back okay um it was a little bit slurred still but not too bad and yeah so my my left side went um and it just felt really weird like when it was start when the movement was starting to come back it was just I don't know everything felt like it the only way I can describe it is like it's moving through water mm-hmm. um, when I was trying to move. So it's really having to think about how what my movements were doing. So that was really difficult to deal with, all of this stuff going off. And then another doctor comes to see me and drops on me that, oh, you might have a problem with your heart. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. okay. Uh, it was like, sometimes these things happen where you are born, well, everyone's born with a hole in their hearts. Um, it's like a little flap between the left and right chamber um and within the first year it closes um but for about 25 percent of the population it doesn't and usually it doesn't cause any issues um so he was like you know it may be that that's sometimes what we find with young stroke survivors and I was like right okay so I've had a stroke I might have a heart issue mm. and I'm sat on my own in hospital thinking oh my god <laughs> um so it was all really very very difficult um we well I stayed in hospital over the weekend because it was a Friday that it happened so I stayed in hospital over the weekend and because my movement would started to come back I had my husband at home as well so they were they allowed me home on the Monday um to kind of just continue doing some uh, physio exercises to regain my strength because I was very very weak um and obviously there was some you know more tests and stuff that were done over the weekend and whatnot but um we moved on from that to I had my heart scan and then that did show that I had a hole in my heart um which obviously then needed fixing so basically a clot had formed somewhere and moved through the hole uh so when I I mean I wish I could have won the lottery because these sort of things uh don't happen often and are really unlucky um but when the flap opened there was a clot there that just got through um, and into my brain. 
so it's very unlucky um that it happened but we you know after lots of uh pushing with hospitals and doctors and uh finally got my heart fixed last year um so um so that's all fixed now so hopefully there'd be no reason there shouldn't be any reason why I should have another stroke from from that but obviously I do still need to keep myself healthy and fit and uh so that I don't fall into any of the other risk factors of having a stroke um so so yeah that's kind of why I started the work that I now do because it's been really difficult for me um and I know what that I know things that have helped me through uh, my yoga practice um so my yoga practice really helped me in those early especially in those early days when I came out of hospital to really find that connection back to my body and so that's why this is I feel like this work is really important yeah yeah oh my gosh it sounds (laughs) just listening to you it's like the phrase that comes to my mind is that like the series of unfortunate events, one leading yes. to the other, quite yeah. unusual. Yeah. Uh, it just, you know, the connections like the, you know, it being the COVID and the lockdown, not being able to have your your husband with mm. you, then, you know, with what happened with your heart and the, the hole in your heart and the blood clot and, you know, all of that kind of yeah. stuff. And then having to deal with it on your own when you are in the hospital and mm. being told no you didn't have it then you did have it and then by the way you also have got you know <laughs> yeah. the hole in your heart and yeah there's so much in here if I think about this it's like so much uncertainty mm. and uh, you know that response brings to mind this response of complete terror mm. uh, and you know, being in this this very, very vulnerable space completely on your own. That's yeah. very, very hard, very hard. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I often say whenever I talk about this, it's, it's, um, it's funny because the when I was at the hospital and being told that you've had a stroke, and I always say, you know, it, it's all well and good. Like the doctor was lovely, it was really, really nice. She was a lovely lady. Um, but you need more than a pat on the arm from a nice doctor when you've been told something like that. You just want a hug from someone you love. Yeah. And, you know, and I didn't take in any of the information that she told me um, because one, I was, I was exhausted as well. I was so like, you know, I was so tired at that, that point as well, as well as being emotionally all over the place that I spent the whole weekend thinking that I'd not actually had a, a, a full stroke I spent the whole weekend thinking that I'd actually had a TIA which is a transient ischemic attack and that's what they call like a mini stroke so that's where there's a blood clot in the brain but it kind of passes itself through on its own so there's not too much damage that's done um so yeah I spent the whole weekend thinking that that's what had happened when actually that's not what happened and there was actually a part of my brain that had actually died away because of this uh this blood clot that was there um, and it wasn't until I saw my scan pictures on the Monday when I was trying to get my head around everything. And the doctor was like, would it help to see the scans? And I was like, yes, I think it would. So then I can kind of just get my head around it a little bit. And it wasn't until I saw that that white part on, on the scan and thought, oh, <laughs> something really serious has happened here. Um, and I think that, I, I think that sometimes 
moving on from the hospital and recovery and further down the line in recovery when you've made a good physical recovery I think that there's this element of oh well she's okay uh, she's fine she, she's she looks okay she's made a good recovery and and that's it and it's ended um and that's think... one of the things that we talked about before previously yeah. wasn't it it's this kind of that when I look at you or somebody else looks at you you look you yeah. know you you don't have any visible disability nice. yeah um, that kind of I would I would when I look at you I would say okay there is something there within the movement or within mm. um your presentation yeah but there isn't anything there yeah so obvious and yet something really really difficult and really serious happened to your body and your brain mm. um, that then has got like long-term impact yeah on, um you know on your ability or your identity mm. uh, on I guess how you approach your health how you approach everything yeah I think it's I've I've said this before and I think that for me personally I don't think you can go back to how you were pre-stroke. Um, and I know that if there's other stroke survivors that are listening to this, that may sound really disheartening. But I think that there is something that when you go through something like that and something as traumatic as that, even if you are fully um, capable of moving all of, um, all of the body and everything like that, I think that there's still the inside that is still going to be something that's changed and that's not to say that that's going to be a bad thing either I'm so much more kinder to myself now than what I was before my stroke and weirdly I'll be really grateful for my stroke for that you know I think there's things that I prioritize more now like my health and my well-being are my number one priority you know it's taken me a while to get there still you know I'm two and a half years down the line and that didn't come straight away just like that and it's not going to come straight away because there's so many other things that you need to do for healing to be able to get to that point yeah. but for me I think that you have been through something that is really traumatic and you need to honor that and honor yourself and your body and what it's been through and I think that even if there is change after stroke, which I think there always is change after stroke, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. I think sometimes people think that change, like some people are scared of change and, you know, it's usually fear of the unknown, isn't it? You know, so I think that what we need to be thinking about when we're recovering from stroke is um, not comparing ourselves to where we were before our stroke, because I think this is such a a massive thing in stroke recovery is that there's lots of, I just want my life to be like it was before. And I think, do you know what? Let's take off the rose tinted glasses to before because life wasn't all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns, you know, <laughs> like I, I think like sometimes I have, you know, I've thought to myself, I just, I don't want this stress. I don't want this anxiety. I don't want this worry. I don't want this uncertainty in my life and in my family's life. And I feel like, you know, you can, as a stroke survivor, you feel like you've brought that on to people in, within your family, which is a whole, <laughs> whole other thing. But, you know, I think we need to think that it's not, my life wasn't amazing, like, all, like it wasn't perfect before the stroke. And I think we, can, we tend to forget that. 
And I think we just look at all of the all of the the positive things that life was before stroke, and we kind of forget about all of the the other things that maybe weren't great. Yeah. And I think that you know if you've got risk factors that have that have, you know brought on the stroke, then maybe that's something an opportunity for you to look at pre-stroke. You know, how can you change those things? What what do you want your life to look like after you've had a stroke? Because this is your opportunity to change how your life is or was yeah. for the better, I think. I think it's an opportunity, personally. I love what you just said. And that makes me think about, you know, from there is that the language, the language plays such a big part in here, mm. isn't it? It's like you've used that word, you know, uh, stroke recovery. Like I have to recover from it like recover completely mm. or as mm. much as I can um, and the emphasis is on getting back and recovering mm. and it's the same with trauma isn't it people you know when people talk about trauma any other trauma you know because mm. this 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 sounded like a very very traumatic event for you mm. um, it's it's this kind of focus on trauma releasing or trauma recovery or trauma mm. and what you just said is so key so so key about you know it changes you as a person fundamentally mm. yes. changes you as a person and it's not no amount of releasing or recovering is going to change that yeah and then there is the process of really embracing who you are allowing yourself to um start making choices even if it feels like you don't have a choice mm. in certain areas there are other areas that you can have a choice and maybe that is an invitation to living your life in a slightly different way yeah with, just like it did for you with more focus on self-care that reassessing of priorities mm. and really what we're talking here is you know what what some people call post-traumatic growth and as you said, you know, you are two and a half years into that process mm. and it hasn't happened straight away and it's still happening. Yeah. It's that that change is ongoing. Um, and so I wonder, you know, you mentioned that already, that your yoga practice mm. uh, was really, really kind of fundamental in helping you. Yeah. Um, and I remember something about the breath when we talked in the past something yes. that your husband yes. uh, told you about the breath maybe you can kind of yeah tell so us about um, that. luckily my husband was there with me when I was having my stroke because he had it all together and I obviously did not mm. <laughs> um which one of the things my husband said to me when I was going through the stroke was use your yoga breathing mm. and honestly it just changed the situation for it changed how I could deal with the situation so I'm going to take away the fact that I'm having a stroke but by focusing on my breath just bringing some deeper inhalations in and some longer exhalations just to allow my body to try to you know relax a little bit and to feel that actually it's okay we're dealing with this and we're okay it just changed everything for me going from that real heightened panic just not that I'm going to go right down here and not panic and not be worried about what's happening, but just shifting it a little bit, just that scale, just shifting slightly. Um, and it was just such a gift in that, that that moment that he gave me that I was just like, oh God, yes, I can do this. And it just made me feel that I could control something in this situation. And I think that's kind of 
what what it's about because when you go through something like that you you know you can't you look at your arm and it doesn't move and you're willing it to move and it's just it feels like everything's just stripped away and taken away from you and you've got no control so it's about that just gave me that little bit of control back to be like actually no it's okay we're dealing with this it's okay I can I can do this I can get through this um and so yeah that for me was such a, a massive thing that he did for me um just to give me that reminder because obviously I wasn't thinking straight at the time <laughs> um I love then, that I love that I I think yeah. it's just it's such a such a simple um understanding of how much breath can you know mm. what role breath can pay and and yeah. I love it that it was your husband <laughs> reminding you. I'm guessing he does yoga. He doesn't do yoga. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. But um, but, but no, he understands not... the power of breath. But he understands that it's that it does help me, I think. Um, and he understands how much it means to me as well as a practice. So I think, and I and I think he does understand because. Uh, my husband in the past he has suffered with um, anxiety and panic attacks so he is quite well versed in, in that that side of things um so that's why I think he was just like okay use your yoga breathing we've got this you're gonna be okay uh, even oh, though yeah. I think I think he was just like a duck under the surface he was just like paddling like oh my god <laughs> um because he was very panicked um but he didn't show it yeah. um no, that's yeah, right that's really good I, I love think, that I think the the thing is as well, like after I came home from hospital, I started using my yoga practice more in my recovery was really what helped me through as well, because it's um, when I was in hospital, the one of the doctors actually did yoga um, and she was like, oh, I says my anxiety is really through the roof, really, really high. Uh, do some meditation. And so and. I actually, at that point, I'd only done my 200 hour training. Um, I didn't know anything about, I'd not done any training in trauma or anything else, um, anything like that. So I was like, oh yeah, meditation. Yeah, I'll do that. And I couldn't because obviously, oh, so much going on that it was just, it was really, really difficult. Um, and it wasn't until I got home and I spoke to some people about um, if they knew anyone that did like trauma uh, yoga uh, and I specifically said not that I want to teach it that I want to go to someone and I need someone to help me <laughs> um and luckily my um the anatomy teacher that did my 200 hour course he'd done some training in trauma as well so I was on the phone to him and he was just like uh, obviously within the realms of whatever your doctors told you to do but he was like if you can move your body and use your yoga practices and move in meditation rather than just sitting in stillness, that might be better for you. And I was like, okay. And I was terrified of doing downward facing dog because I was like, well, all the, like in my mind at the time as well, I was like, well, all the blood's gonna rush to my head. And my anatomy teacher was like, the blood isn't rushing to your head on it. Like, remember what I've taught you. And I was like, okay. Um, so I was terrified of doing stuff like that. Um, but actually once I kind of, got more into it and got more into the movement and doing things it just it just helped me feel so much better and it helped me connect back to my body because you can definitely 
feel like there's a, a, a dissociation from the body after you've been through something like this. And I think it's definitely something that makes you feel like, oh, my body's turned against me. Um, so you need to draw that connection back again. And that's what I always start with whenever I do any work is awareness and drawing that awareness back to the body so that you can start to connect again and start to feel um because there's no you know feelings emotions and all of those sort of things there's there's no getting away from them we have to feel them to be able to get to the other side um so yeah the my yoga practice um really helped me and then obviously the training that I took on with you um which was amazing like when I first did I think it was like the four hour CPD thing where it was like um and a little bit on trauma and the way you explained it I was just like oh my god light bulb light bulb <laughs> light bulb moment it was just it really just made it so clear to me and so that's obviously why I went on to do your uh your other training and to and I think that what I've said about that training is that it's not just to help other people. It helped me so much with my own trauma and to process and to go through what I needed to go through to, to get me in a position where I can be like, OK, well, I'm still going through it two and a half years down the line, but I've got loads of tools uh, and practices that I can put in place to help me and then I can now also help other people which is something that from the very beginning of having the stroke I was thinking about my yoga practice and thinking wow I'm not so, so not so accessible as what I thought I was with my teaching because the stuff that I was teaching even though I was using blocks and and bolsters and things like that it's still if you've only not if you can't use one side of your body I was like none of this stuff I've been teaching is accessible at all so that made me think, and I, from the beginning, it was very much like, yes, I need to, I want to use this as for something that's, I want to get some good out of it, out of what's happened to me. And so that's why I went into doing the work that I now do with stroke survivors. And, you know, since doing that trauma training, I've then done accessible yoga training and then done a wellbeing coach uh, training as well. So that, so that it's more of a whole, like I'm looking at someone from a holistic point of view and that's really important to me um, and the work that I do is that we're looking at the whole of someone. It's not just this one part that, oh, they can't move their left arm or something. You know, it's not just that they've got something that, that they can't move their leg. It, it's it's the wholeness of them that I'm really looking at now. Um, and I think that there is with stroke recovery a a lot of emphasis on physical recovery rightly so because I mean that's I think physical recovery is obviously the thing that people see from the outside so people yeah. will see and people know and it makes life difficult when you've got a physical disability so rightly so that there is lots of emphasis on the physical recovery less so on the psychological recovery um, which is something that I found really lacking and which is a, a lot of my work is focused on psychological recovery as well because that's something that I don't think you can make a full recovery without looking at that psychological side of it because it's a lot to deal with having a stroke and especially at a young age it's a lot to deal with um, I've had you know for me personally I've had counselling I've had therapy um, I have all of these tools from just doing like learning about trauma 
Um, and it's still a lot some days, <laughs> you know, because that's life and recovery isn't linear. Um, but the work I do, I just feel it's so important to look at that wholeness of someone so that we can then move forward in, and so that nothing's getting left behind um, and nothing's getting neglected is what I think, why I think it's really important. Yeah, I love what you just said. And I, I love your journey. You know, it's <laughs> like the, the stroke happened. Uh, you had to start recovering. Then you started looking what you need, which is the, you know, how to make your yoga, your own yoga practice more accessible and then training in trauma-informed yoga and then mm. following up and doing some more accessible yoga and then doing the, your well-being coach training. I mm. think it's so amazing. It's kind of, I think this kind of work that you do or that we do as practitioners, the more we come from the systems thinking perspective, the more we understand to bring the whole person approach, mm -hmm. but also understand that you cannot separate the person from the environment. The more holistic yeah. in that sense, inner and outer, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that, we, that we approach our work, um, the more the more uh, transformational it is and the more real it is it's yeah. like you know what you are talking about if we just focus on recovery in this context you know in a, a recovery from stroke on the physical stuff but not acknowledge the impact of the event the impact on somebody's identity their well-being their relationships mm -hmm. their work uh the world view their mental mm -hmm. health then we are missing out, you know, really huge part. And it's, yes, they might maybe recover the functionality within their body, but, you know, that traumatic event, depending on how somebody has experienced it, because we know that, you know, tra trauma is how yeah. we respond within, yeah. not the event itself. Uh, for some people, it might be extremely traumatic. Mm -hmm. And that part about looking after the wholeness of you so we are back to this mind body connection the yeah. real mind body connection that you know unfortunately our medical model is not embracing fully <laughs> to say the least <laughs> and so you know practitioners like you can bring that holistic approach mm -hmm. and what I love the most is you know that you have got that understanding You've gone through it yourself. You already mm. had already some tools. You then learned to use those tools in a different way within yeah. the context of really being trauma-informed and trauma-aware and then bringing it within your community. Yeah. I think that that is that is really amazing. And I, I really admire that about you, that you, <laughs> you know, you followed what's important to you. You followed your own path. You... Mm. Um, prioritize your own healing and grow first so then you can do the work and support others through yeah. that you know stability and understanding I think it's I, love that. I think it's important for for straight survivors to to know my story before they work with me and I think that a lot of them come to me because I do know what they're going through um obviously every stroke is different um, but I I always believe that we've 
got just threads that tie us together as straight survivors. There's always, there's a common theme between stories, you know, where we can find some common ground. And I think it's really important that, um, I think it's really important that straight survivors know that the tools and things that I use and that, you know, I may say yoga. And when I say yoga, you know, it brings up a lot of different things for people. Um, Mandy Young. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I, <laughs> I always say to people whenever I like I try and break the ice with people and I'm, I'm not going to get you standing on your head, putting your foot on your head. I don't <laughs> understand why you'd want to do that. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that come up with the word yoga. And I think it's important that people, that stroke survivors see the work that I do um, because it's not just the physical postures. And it's important for them to understand that yoga is accessible. Um, or can be accessible. Can, I was going to say, if, if done correctly, <laughs> right, it can be accessible. So it can be all of those other things that you see on Instagram and, and all of that. And that's absolutely fine. I've got no issues with any of that stuff. Like if that's what you want to do, you do you, you go for it. Um, you know, I'm just not that flexible. Mm. <laughs> um, and yeah, but I think the stuff that I do is accessible for people. Um, you know, it could be that, you know, I'm doing a session with someone and we don't even do any movement. You know, it could be that I have another session with someone else and we do a lot of movement. You know, each person is different and it's about meeting that person where they're at um, and, you know, using the, where they are to then kind of move forwards to where they want to be. Uh, but it's about just working together with them to kind of um, get to where they want to be in the future, you know? Yeah, I love that. I love that because yes, there is so much, you know, yoga has become yes. so popular, so, yes. so popular. I mean, coaching is very popular as well. Yes. You know, they're, yeah. they're both um, <laughs> kind of aspects uh, of well-being and that kind of, you know, big business booming. Mm. <laughs> But really, ultimately, it comes down to us as practitioners and how we how we work with our clients, yeah. how we support them and how accessible we make it through our approach, through meeting them where they are at, through the language that we use, through that trauma informed principles of collaboration and choice, mm. um, you know, building on trust and safety that yeah. then leads to empowerment. Yeah. Um so really, I guess I have a question for you. If somebody who is listening, who is maybe a yoga teacher who um, or wellness practitioner who wants to kind of follow in your footsteps um, mm -hmm. and do this kind of more, I, I would say, specialized work, um, what would your advice, one piece of advice, one piece of advice be to them? What would you say to them? Get to know the community that they're going to be working in, I think. Mm. Um, I obviously am in, I suppose for me it's different because I am very much ingrained into the community that I'm working in because of my experience myself. Um, and I, you know, I think that, like I've said, people do tend to come to me because I've had a stroke so that I can kind of, you know, because I understand and I know, you know, that there is other yoga teachers and wellbeing practitioners out there that also work with people that's had a stroke that, again, 
they've had a stroke. So there's a, there is a few of us out there. Um, but I think it's really important to get to know the community that you want to be working for and working in, because at the end of the day, it's all about them. Um, it's all about them. And it's all, you know, I think that with stroke recovery and stroke survivors, especially young survivors, there is this thing about, obviously, like I said before, you know, well, we think you've had a migraine or you're very much brushed off. And I think by listening to what they're saying and giving them that safe space to, to actually just come to you and be like, actually, this is what I feel and this is what I think I need, or, you know, maybe I don't even know what I need. Um, you're listening to them and you're giving them agency back and you're allowing them that time and that space. So I, for me, I think really integrating into the community that you really want to be working with, um, you know, I don't think you necessarily need to have been through. <laughs> I wouldn't advise anyone going out and having a stroke. Yes. Uh, <laughs> of course. You know, I don't think you necessarily need to. But there are so, so many other different things nowadays that, you know, there's lots of things on like I was just talking to my mum the other day about the menopause, um, perimenopause and all of those types of things. So there's lots of different things that you could really say your niche is um, if you want to use that word. I know it's quite popular in yoga circles, niching. Um, so if you want to, to say that, then, you know, there's loads of things out there, but I just say really get to know the community, get to know what it is they need rather than assuming, you know, what they need. Um, because I could, I mean, I've been through stroke and I still don't want to assume I know what people need. Yeah. I still want to speak to, to them and, and see what it is that they need. How can I help them? How can I be of service? Um, and I think that's really important. I love that what you just said. How can I be of service? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, this is that's what, what I'm here for. Yeah, exactly. That's what our work is is yeah. about, really. It's about our clients, our students, and how we are, you know, working with them. And one of the things that really comes to my mind is, you know, how sometimes we can use that jargon. <laughs> This really professional jargon, I'm going to do this with my fingers, <laughs> in captions, words in captions. Yes. Um, yeah, using this jargon about even around the nervous system regulation. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, like... I've been there, I've used that jargon. <laughs> me uh, too, me too. Hold my hands up. <laughs> well, it's about, yeah, you really need to, like, I've really thought about it a lot over this past year, and it's really about speaking in a language that people understand in a normal language yes. not in an academic yeah. language of the books that we are yes. talking about you know that's yes. all good and well when we're doing trainings and we're mm. learning and we're exploring the models and theories and that's okay but if we just yeah to I think people just with clients. for me I think stroke survivors just want to either like know that they want something that's going to help with their anxiety they want they just want to feel like they're not always on edge you know they, they want to feel like they're not always thinking about having another stroke and i think it's just trying to like using that language that they, that they use um to to kind of really help people to understand lovely i love that i love that so anna if uh you know whoever is listening would like mm. to know a little bit more about your work whether it's a it's a you know somebody who has been through stroke or another practitioner how can they find you 
Um, so you can find a whole host of information on my website, which is www.thestrokewellbeingcoach.com. Um, and on there, there is um, all of the ways that you can work with me. I also have a lot of free resources on there as well for people. Um, I have a uh, like a, a wellbeing booklet for stroke recovery, um, which has got some really great tips in there for the things that have helped me through my recovery. You know, I, and they I know that they've worked for me. I've seen them work for other people as well. So that's really good for for um for you if you're struggling. Um so yeah, there's lots of great free resources on there as well. So um and all the information on there about how you can work with me. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Anna. It's been a pleasure uh chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you are interested in our training certifications at Golden Mandala Yoga Soma Institute, I invite you to visit our website, www.anettai.co.uk, where you can find all the information about our training certifications, uh, trauma-informed somatic teacher and coach for women and trauma-informed yoga teacher, as well as Thriving Business Mandala coaching program. I look forward to connecting with you more.